Praise God, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to the On Earth As It Is In Heaven podcast. Romans 12.5 says, We who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. The goal of this podcast is to help all members of God's church establish God's kingdom here on earth by learning and discussing his principles Through these discussions, we hope to facilitate actions that will create heaven on earth. I'm your host, JB, and I'm going to start us off with a prayer. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word with your people, those who have decided to dedicate their lives to following the ways of your one and first son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to also become sons and daughters of yours, Lord, through the receiving of the Messiah, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray, Heavenly Father, that your word would be made clear to any listeners who have come here in search of direction. As times are becoming more confused and persecution is on the rise. I pray, Heavenly Father, that your children would seek you, that they would seek you, Jesus. Seek your kingdom first, as we are going to talk about today. I pray right now that I would decrease as you increase, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would move through this episode of Born Earth as it is in heaven and would allow all of those that you have called to come into contact with it, Lord, to receive what you have prepared for them specifically, Lord. I pray that they would feel your love, your caring, that they would gain wisdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you guys for joining another episode of On Earth As It Is In Heaven. I am your host, JB, and the title of today's episode is, I Don't Know What To Do. And the reason why I titled it this episode this way, because as I'm on social media, I'm seeing a lot of, to put simply, confusion. There are people of the faith, you almost could call them giants in our faith of, of Christianity, big names, not name dropping, and then it's more than one. So there are some things that are, allegations we'll call them, that are coming out about some of these faith leaders. And even some of them are just currently, you know, are being um, scrutinized for some things that they've done recently. Um, And then we have a large percentage of social media influencers coming and scrutinizing them um, by playing their videos and, and going after them that way or just talking about the things that they're doing. And it goes much further than even the big names. There's just, you know, through COVID, during that shutdown, a lot of churches went virtual. And so now there are a lot of churches who continue to stay virtual and what's happening in their churches is now for the world to see. And it seems like there's at least 10 to 20 videos a day of something that happened in the church that 
believers are correcting that they're bringing onto their platforms they're playing these videos saying what's wrong with it saying why it's not right and i don't think that anyone is taking the time to look at the confusion that this could be bringing to a new believer maybe even one who's trying to understand you know what is this faith all about and they might have started to seek one of these preachers or leaders or teachers. And the next thing they come across is someone telling them why that person is a false prophet or a false leader or a false preacher. And it's just uh, a cycle, you know, anyone that they try to go to and and they think they gain some understanding, you know, there's going to be someone right on the other side of that fence, just ready to, you know, nitpick at every single thing that they're doing. Now, some of these things, you know, are definitely things that we should be concerned about. And we should definitely not just continue to let certain things slide if they are, in fact, truly happening in or did happen. And there has to be some accountability there. But it's almost like a pig fest right now on social media as it, as it relates to everyone just coming after everyone else and you know, everyone feeling the need to be right. And I feel like if I wasn't so solidified in my faith, if I wasn't um, reading my Bible regularly, if I wasn't in the place where I'm at now, if I'll, I'll just say if this was me, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, who knows what I would be doing right now, how my mind would be and my understanding while I'm trying to seek someone and I'm hearing this and I'm hearing that. And then some might just say, you know what, this whole thing is screwed. This faith doesn't know what they're doing. You know, these Jesus followers, they don't even understand, you know, how to be of their own faith. You know, I feel like we're one of the only faiths that it seems like that. And I do understand because our faith is different. It's about a relationship and not just a set of rules. Whereas a lot of other um, faith-based religions have rules and they do those, they follow those rules to a T. And so it's easy to say whether or not, you know, you're a good this or you're a good that. If there is a specific guideline and they are abiding by all of those rules. And if you don't do them, then, well, you're a bad, you know, this or that. But as it relates to our faith, there's so much as it relates to a faith-based walk in a relationship with God that, is not as black and white as whether something is a sin or not a sin. That's oftentimes what people are looking for. And I honestly feel that is a scapegoat because sometimes I believe that we can be looking for a loophole. We're looking for a way out. You know, if this is a sin, then, oh yeah, I shouldn't do this. But if it's not a sin, if God gave a way for us to get around this or allow this, or there's a reason that we've seen people do this. It's like, oh, well, God says that we can do this or God allows that, you know, but is that something that God would want you to do? Okay. This is where we're getting into uh, a relationship. Okay. Because God might be guiding you a different direction than he's guiding someone else. Again, we know that certain sins like murder is never going to be you know, right. But there are things that God will allow or 
you know, not necessarily cause sin that he still may not want you to do. That wouldn't be the thing that if you were truly looking to please him, one of the leaders or one of the disciples asked Jesus, you know, the most two important commandments and to love your Lord, your God with all your heart, mind and soul. Okay. If you're doing that, then you're not just trying to find the loopholes in what is allowed or not. What you are looking to do is to see what is pleasing to God. And that's the actions that you want to take. Okay. So today we're going to actually be reading in Revelations and in Matthew. Okay. We're going to start off by looking at what God has had to say to some of these churches. Okay. The seven churches he speaks to in Revelations and just about all of them. He has had something good and bad to say. And there is one church that he um, just pretty much just gave the accolades to. But we're going to see because some of us think that just being yourself, being who you are, is enough to please God. And we see here that it's not. And it's going to make it very clear once I get into this. I'm going to let the word do most of the preaching here and not just me. So we're going to start off from Revelations in chapter 2, and this is going to the church of Ephesus. And it says, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. You know, that is something definitely that I would want God to be saying about me. If this were a situation, you know, where it was judgment day and I'm standing before the Lord, you know, those are all things that I would want the Lord to say about me. And if I felt like I was doing, if this fit me right now, I would say I was doing pretty okay. All right. Now, as we go forward, again, we're not looking to bring condemnation to anyone, but God says that his people perish for a lack of knowledge. And so this is just to bring the knowledge of what the word is telling us and what does it truly mean to please God, okay? So again, he just hit us with, you know, a bunch of good stuff that he says, I know your deeds, you're hardworking, you're, you persevere, you cannot tolerate wicked people. You know, when people, wicked people are around you, it's almost like, man, who was that? I want to say it was Lot when he was in Sodom and Gomorrah and he was praying to God, you know, how long was he going to allow that to continue to happen, everything that was happening around him. And it was almost like tormenting to him. Okay. So he says he, he doesn't tolerate wicked people. He has tested those and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. So there are some things that he is saying that the church has went through for the sake of God, not just hardships. I always like to point that out. The Bible doesn't say you know, just hardships, but he says hardships for my sake, okay? So there might have been what you might have viewed as an easier way out, something that would have made your life easier, but for the sake of God, you chose the thing that you felt was more pleasing to God. It's not that the other option was a sin or that you wouldn't have been allowed to do it, but you truly believe that the other option would have been more pleasing and serving God, and that's the choice you did, and you had to endure hardship because of that. Okay. So this is what he's talking about. He says, yet 
I hold this against you. So we see he still has something against them. Okay. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And so what he's telling them is, you know, I've seen all the hard work, the perseverance, enduring of the hardships, but you have forgot the love you had at first. It seems clearly at the beginning of this relationship with God, you know, they there was a stronger love. This is something that God likely seen in their heart. It probably could have been viewed outwardly as actions, but if you follow any of my content, we know that you can have actions that have ulterior motives. So it's not just the actions, but more than likely, that love that truly is there is going to be shown by the fruit, by the actions of the person, okay? Someone who truly loves their spouse might go and get them a dozen roses, okay? But someone who's just done something bad might also go get their spouse a dozen roses because they're feeling bad about what they might have done or something of that sort, okay? So the action is the same, but where it's coming from is different. And so what God is telling them is, I have this against you, the love that you had at first, return to it. Return to that inwardly love that you had for me when you first came to me, okay? And so we're going to go ahead and move on. It's a lot of reading because we're going to move on to the next church here, okay? Next one is the church of Smyrna. These are the words of him who was the first and the last who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you your life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. And so this one here, we see that he's telling them that, this is likely someone who's living in lack at the time. I know this is very controversial over whether believers, I don't know if you want to say are supposed to be in lack or should be in lack, or if they, you know, if there's something about being in lack that means you're doing something wrong. Because I've heard those type of messages that they don't necessarily condemn the person, but what they're saying is if you're in lack, it's because, you know, your faith isn't strong enough or you're not seeking God or you're not asking or you're in sin or, you know, whatever way they put it, it's putting it back on the person you're in lack and you shouldn't be because God is rich, you know? And if so if you're not rich, then there's a reason for it, something that you're doing. Okay. And when I read these scriptures, that's just not what I get out of it personally. Okay. When I read these, it says here, you know, I know your afflictions and your poverty. He knows them. He says, yet you are rich. It's not the rich that the world is talking about, okay? It's a different type of rich, spiritually rich, okay? So even though they're in poverty and they're going through afflictions here, okay, he says you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. This, brings, this makes me think about when uh, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees 
and they were claiming to be children of God. And, and Jesus told them, you know, God is not your father. Satan is your father. Okay. And so what we get here is there are those who can be claiming to be Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, and they just aren't. It doesn't matter what they're saying or what they're doing. They're not. Okay. That's one of the things I always talk about. It's not for us to judge. Okay. We don't know who and who is saved, what their heart posture is. That is something that God will look at. Okay. But he warns them to not be afraid of what you're about to suffer because they're about to go through some persecution. And often, again, persecution is one of those things that if you're getting, if you're not getting godly counsel, you could be believing that you are not in God's will, that you didn't hear him correctly, that you're not taking the right steps, okay? But as a follower of Jesus Christ, let me tell you right now, you are going to go through some things likely just because of your choice to follow him, Okay? The choice to follow Jesus does not eliminate you from persecution, okay? It puts you into persecution. You need to be ready, knowing, and expecting of that persecution that's going to come because of who your Lord and Savior is. You know, Jesus tells us if they hate you, just remember they hated him first, okay? And it's the Jesus in you that they hate. They might not even know it, but that's what it is, okay? So you just have to know that, and this right here just gives me so much faith when I have to go through these things, because it says here, um, be faithful even to the point of death. This isn't preached mainstream, at least not much. At least I don't hear it. Okay. Be faithful even to the point of death. Okay. This is the serious end times we've seen. Well, we didn't see it, but you know, we've read about the horrible deaths of some of those who chose to stand by Jesus, you know, when it came to life or death. And this is what the word, this is what we are to be following as well as Jesus followers. So it says, even to the point of death, we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that we might have to die. We want to hear that Jesus is going to come and save us no matter what the situation is. Okay. And if it's to the point of death, that saving, it doesn't mean you're not saved. It's just not the way that you would have wanted, liked it and or expected, you know. And we know this is true again, because of the way that the majority of the disciples died. He didn't come in and rescue them from them deaths a lot. They suffered horrible deaths, okay? And so this is something that, again, I feel like coming into the faith, you need to know these things because if not, it's going to feel like a brick wall that hits you as you continue to go through the persecution. The next church, Pergamum. These are the words of him who has a sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Okay, so he's talking about, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, that you remain true to my name. I know there are some of us that have, they were born, raised, and, and grew up in a very sinful culture. All right, the, the your neighborhoods, you know, were just surrounded by people who may or may not have claimed to be Jesus followers, but their actions definitely didn't show it. You know, you grew up with friends who uh, definitely lived a sinful life and you were in included. You know, we've all, before we gave our life to Jesus, had the sinful nature, you know, that took over and we just yielded to it. Okay. And so we see he's talking about people who grew up in an area 
where Satan, oh, I guess you could say, was thriving, okay? The Bible tells us that he is the liturgy God of this world, okay? It says, nevertheless, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. And so we see we have people here who are, it says they're holding to the teaching of Balaam and the Nicolaitans, which was a, a false doctrine. We'll just call it that way to, to simplify it. Okay, something other than the gospel, the teachings that the apostles were giving out. They were holding to these other practices. Unfortunately, now, which I believe is part of the big deception that the Bible talks about that's going to come in the end times, the falling away, okay, this, these teachings very deceptively are being taught in churches, okay? It's almost like Satan has made the word church sacred so that we don't want to speak against church, okay? So if someone says they went to church or they heard something at church or especially if that person is in that church and you try to come against something that they learned or heard from their pastor, preacher, or teacher in that church, you know, then you're going to be demonized for that, okay? They're going to come against you because you're talking about church, okay? So the first thing he did, Satan, is made an idol of church. So a lot of people worship the church more than they do the God that we are supposed to be worshiping in. Okay, again, I'm not talking against church. I do believe in church, but we have idolized churches. We have idolized the pastors, preachers, and teachers. We have put so many idols and don't even realize it. And we are missing the mark widely. And that is allowing these pastors, preachers, and or teachers in the various different churches to manipulate you. And I don't believe it's all intentional. And I don't, I do believe some of it is out of ignorance. Okay. But the Bible tells us that the teachers are going to be held to a higher standard. But we also know from the Bible, which I always talk about, everyone is going to be held accountable for their own actions. And so you're not going to be able to, on judgment day, say, my pastor told me this. Okay. You're going to have to answer for yourself. We all um, have access to the word for ourselves. Um, and if you feel like you don't, please shoot me a message and I will do my best to get you the word of God for you to study yourself because we should all be studying the word ourselves and praying to God. One of the regular prayers I pray is for God to help me to not be deceived. Okay. And this is, we're talking about Satan here who's been in the game for way longer than, than we've even been on this earth. Okay. Individually, you know, and so he is not a dummy. He's smart. He's strategic. He's scheming, okay, and he has a plan in place to deceive and take down as many as he can, okay? Next, we're going to go to the church of Thyatira. 
These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Whoa, this sounds like the average believer who joined a church, became a part of the family, and got into uh, the serving ministry, you know, became an usher, whatever it may be, okay? I know your deeds, your love and faith, okay? You know, the showing love, they have faith. Your service and perseverance, they've continued to push and push, and that you're now doing more than you did at first. That's what a lot of people will look at, and they'll say, man, I'm not judging anyone specific here, but this is just what we do. We'll see someone who's gotten to the church, they started serving, and it now you like you remember you're like man I remember when they joined the church and I remember when they joined the ministry and now they're doing this and they're doing that and you start telling them how great they're doing and they're loving it and they're taking it in and that's all great but let's see what it says next nevertheless I have this against you you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet by her teaching she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. It has talked about that. And I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end. I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, so this person has been doing all the right things. But now we got to look at who are we tolerating in our lives? What leaders or teachers are we maybe doing the right things under? Okay? So these people are tolerating Jezebel. And it says that they that this is what really gets me because... We have drifted so far into the supernatural and the mysteries of things. And so it talks about the one who has learned, who's learned the deep secrets. Okay. Okay. It says to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. There's so many people who have such this intellectual knowledge of the deep secrets that they would call them, you know, and the mysterious things, and you start getting to, you know, they have these different, I can't even think of what it's called, but pretty much in, in simple terms, it's like classes, okay? You know, a class on how to do this and a class on how to do that. And it gets so far removed from the gospel, and it's like, do these people even know about Jesus, or are they coming to you because you're giving them something that's interesting, something that makes them feel powerful or you know, whatever it may be, it's a deception and it's a distraction from the true gospel and what Jesus tells us to do, which we're going to get to um, in just a little bit. But we need to look at who we're tolerating. Who are you serving up under? Make sure you're praying to God about that, okay? Because your efforts, your good efforts 
could be con- contributing and enabling someone who is not doing in the will of God to continue in a ministry that God has called done. We know that even after David was anointed, King Saul still was king for a while, okay? Even though he was done, there are some people who are still in place. They still have that title, but God has already ended their ministry. You need to be making sure you're discerning, you know, where God is calling you to be and what to do in those places. That's about that relationship with God, okay? We're going to move into chapter three here, the church in Sardis. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Okay. This, unfortunately, these are the truths that we need to make sure we are reading about in this Bible. And again, it's not to condemn you, but you need to be aware of it. You can't be walking blind. If you're walking blind, you're going to fall. Okay. And it says here, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, a reputation of being alive, meaning that there are people who are glorifying you. Okay or me, you know, whoever it may be, they're receiving a glorification from man. They're being told that they were anointed, that they are, you know, that they're doing the Lord's work. They're telling all the good things that you would want to hear if you were in God's will. Okay. So the reputation is that they're alive, but God is saying you are dead. Okay. He, again, he knows the heart and more than likely the person who hears this from God will know that it's them, okay? Again, it's not for us to go around pointing fingers at anyone. But the person, when they hear it, they're going to know it. Even though other people don't see it, they fooled them, they've tricked them, okay? When they hear it, they're going to know what their false motives are. They're going to know why they got into this thing. They're going to know why they started the church, okay? They're going to know. It's not for us. It's for us to preach and teach the word, to put the word out there to be heard. But the Holy Spirit is going to speak to who needs to hear it. Okay, it's not for us to go putting people's head on chopping blocks. All right, it says here, I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. There's something more that God has called them to do. There is something in a place that they're supposed to be, something they're supposed to be doing, someone they're supposed to be helping, and they're they're not doing it. And the Bible says he's found their deeds unfinished. Again, the word will speak to who this word is for. It's not for us to go judging and putting people, you know, on the guillotine, okay? To the church in Philadelphia, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds, 
See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure impatiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. And this is the church that, you know, as far as I've read, God didn't have anything against them. They were pretty much, they were hand on business. It's just telling them to hold on to the end. Okay. Continue to do. I don't like the way I phrase that, that hold on to the end, continue to do what you're doing, because that is another thing that I've noticed is we believe Jesus is coming back. And it's not just a sit back and just hold on, just wait and, you know, just pray he gets here in time. Okay. No, you can, if you're part of that church, you continue doing the things that you've been doing. That's the way you hold on is to continue in what you've been doing until the end. Okay. After this, <clears throat> sorry, the last church is Laodicea. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and solve to put on your eyes, so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Many people have heard this one here about being lukewarm, not being neither hot nor cold. And because you're lukewarm, God said he's going to spit them out. I really like that it says here, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. Unfortunately, one of the biggest things that we use to judge whether or not someone is anointed or in God's will or bearing fruit is natural wealth. It's, It's interesting that we judge their spirituality by the natural things. Well, well, they've started preaching and now they're getting, you know, God is blessing them with the income to continue this or to grow the church or to buy a new car to get a new house. It's because they're serving God. But we see that people can be rich and not be in the will of God, not be serving God. There are certain principles that just work 
business-wise, okay? And that will allow someone who is operating under the guise of a Jesus follower to gain wealth. And we can't be deceived by believing just because they started to gain wealth. That means they are, or us ourselves, we can't be deceived by if we start to gain wealth and become rich at some point, that necessarily means that we are doing the proper thing that is pleasing to God. But we see here, me, <clears throat> on Sunday mornings, we've been studying the these seven churches the last couple of weeks, my little family group here. And so those really stood out to me. And that really helps to give a picture that, because I feel like we're in this area where everyone wants to just accept everyone and they're going to do whatever it takes, even if that means to compromise, to just get more people in and make them feel comfortable. But even the people who were doing great things, God still had more that he was looking to get out of them. Okay. And so we just can't be complacent and get to a place where we just completely disregard the holiness of God and forget that there is a sanctification process. You know, there's the cliche saying, you know, you know, come as you are, but God doesn't want you to stay as you are. Okay. There is a sanctification process. All are welcome into the house of the Lord. But if you're not, if you're not changing, if that sanctification isn't taking place, that's something that you need to truly look at. Am I really seeking him? Am, am I real about this thing? Have I truly received Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Okay. Part of this problem, which we're about to read here in Matthew 7, 15 through 16. Matthew 7, 15 through 16. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Okay. Again, we're going to get back to... By their fruit, you will recognize them because, again, we're always looking at the wrong fruit. We don't understand what does that mean by their fruit, okay? By their fruit doesn't mean, oh, well, now they've got a thousand attendees at their church or a thousand followers on their social media, or, or now they have a really nice car or they're dressing really nice. That is not the fruit. How are they when they're with a person, okay? Do they, as a preacher, leader, or teacher... Hold the door for the person that's coming in behind them, okay? Will they, at the church functions, actually get behind the table and serve food as well? Or is that something just for the ushers to do, you know? How are they when they're calling? <laughs> oh, man. Okay. God just checked me because one of my pet peeves, I'm sorry, is when, I, when I'm watching a virtual service, and, you know, nowadays they got those scriptures that are come right across your screen. And sometimes they don't be getting them up fast enough for the pastor, I guess. And he gets upset with them. And sometimes I just don't like the tone that he takes with them. And that's, I guess that's me judging a little bit. But I also do kind of feel like, you know, like that's fruit. You know, what is that love that's coming out? They might, the, the words, the Bible talks about this. God talks about this. He says, they give me lip service, but their hearts are far from me. Okay, so this is stuff that just goes to my mind. Like, 
I've also grew up around people who would use manners in the worst tone ever. And it's like, you kind of just discredit the manners that you're using. Excuse me. Like, yeah, you said excuse me, but like you said it in such a way that it was rude. So it's like they kind of just zero each other out. Anyway, I just feel like things like that are, you know, what are we what we should be looking at? Them that the is the spirit of Jesus coming out. Do you sense Jesus from the actions and words and things that they're saying in or doing? Okay, as always, we know no one's perfect, even you know, followers of Jesus, but we gotta be careful. Again, because by their fruit, you will recognize them. And if we don't know what the fruit look like, then we're going to go labeling fruit to pastors, preachers, teachers, leaders, you know, organizers who don't actually have that fruit. All right. We're going to read in Matthew seven thirteen. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Okay. And so what we see here is that unfortunately, again, I just always want to repeat this. It's not for us to judge who is or isn't on that narrow path. Okay. That's going to be something for God to judge. And it's going to be through him reading the hearts, which we don't have the ability to do. But. The Bible tells us that path is narrow. So to think that, man, trying to be careful with my words because uh, I'm a God-fearing man, okay? And I don't want to lead people astray. But we just think that everyone's going to get in. A lot of people think that. I'm not going to say we just think that. A lot of people think just everybody and anybody is going to get in. And unfortunately, it's not. What does it say here? It says broad is the, is the way... Broad is the road that leads to destruction. That's the wide road there. Leads to destruction and only narrow. And it says only a few find it. Okay. And so we just got to be mindful. We These are the scriptures we need to make sure we're reading ourselves. Okay. Because unfortunately, when people, the Bible tells us in the end times, the scripture for this, in the end times, people are going to seek out leaders who are going to tell them what their itching ears want to hear. People are looking for the good, for not the good news, the gospel good news, but for the good news they want to hear, the things that's going to make what they want to do be okay, okay? That's what they're seeking out, okay? And when they're seeking that out, that's when they're going to be seeking out the false prophets. And oftentimes, they're not going to tell you the stuff that's going to make you uh, feel like you might need to change something, Okay. They're going to tell you all the things that you want to hear that kind of makes you feel like what you're doing is okay or what you want is okay to want, okay? And you got, you got to be careful. You got to read You got to read the word yourself. You just got to. And we're going to close out with this scripture here. This is probably the one, the most important set of scriptures, <clears throat> I believe, when you're trying to get on the path of walking with Jesus. It says here, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And right before that verse, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness 
and all these things will be given to you as well. And what are these things that he's talking about? He's talking about the necessities. That's another thing that I believe is often taken out of context. And they'll make people think that he's talking about the whole world. You know, talking about money and big houses and cars. No, seek ye first the kingdom of God. This is where you start. This is the actionable step that I'm going to leave you with on this episode is to seek first the kingdom of God. Okay. Before any of the other stuff, seek first the kingdom of God. And you start with your Bible and you reading it. Okay. You can pray about to God, you know, who should I be listening to, uh, learning under, discipling under, you know, following. Those are things you take up in prayer. Ask God to help you to have discernment on those things. But seeking first the kingdom of God starts with seeking him in what he's left for us, which is his written word. That's where you start. If you're being confused about all the things that are being said, about all the people who are being allegations are coming against or people who are uh, criticizing, you know, each other and all that stuff. If all that noise is starting to get to you, go back to the basics yourself. Go to the word. Find out for yourself what the word says. That's where you got to start there. Pray to God to, to help you through the Holy Spirit and understanding the scriptures and what you are reading. And pray to God for who you should be following, listening to as it relates to the teaching of the word and you'll learn you'll you, it's going to get better if you start reading the bible and it's just super confusing just stick with it okay again prayer and the bible tells us anyone who lacks wisdom to pray for it and to the god who gives it freely and then after it says do not doubt okay so you have to believe that you're going to receive the wisdom that you pray for you can't pray for it and then just be like oh i don't know if i'm going to get it or not you know so no you got to be like all right I prayed for it. Now I'm going to read this and I'm going to believe that what I received is from God. Okay. And then you can always take it back into prayer again, but not in the, like, you just feel like, all right, God, this is what I got out of it. You know, help me to understand it, confirm it for me, you know, send me to, or bring into my life laborers who are going to help lead me and guide me. Those destiny helpers that you have called to come into my life and God will hear you. God will respond to you. God will help you. Thank you guys for joining another episode of On Earth As It Is In Heaven. I'm going to pray us out and I'll see you guys next week. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time to deliver your word to your children, your people, Lord, those that you have chosen and called to be leaders in this faith, Lord, and and those that you have called to just be crucial pieces as it relates to the body of Christ and helping others and showing the love of Jesus and helping to lead others into salvation. I pray that you would manifest in their lives, Lord. Show yourself to them that you are the one and true only God, Lord, that they would know without a doubt, Lord, that their faith would be strengthened. I pray that the Holy Spirit guides them into all their actions, Lord, including in the reading of their word, that they would gain understanding and gain a relationship with you, Lord, that would be strengthened. I give you the praise and I give you the thanks and it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode. I hope today 
you received an on-time word from God and found the inspiration you needed to take action in whatever it is that God has called you to do. Tune in next week to hear another Holy Spirit-led conversation about how together we will bring heaven here on earth according to God's will.